everyone. Thanks for listening to the Midweek Podcast. In this show, we strive to open a dialogue of how life recovery and God's Word go hand in hand. Every week, our speaker will be going through the biblical process of life transformation. And now, another episode of the Midweek Podcast. Go ahead and... uh... Open up your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, we're going through Elijah's life or his ministry, and um, right now we find ourselves at 18. Uh, this is before um, he, he, he goes against the prophets of Baal. Uh, this is before Mount Carmel. This is before. Um, that happens. This is after he uh, predicts by giving a word of God that there will no longer be water, there will no longer be rain. It'll be such a drought that there will not be dew on the grass in the morning until I say it's going to happen again. And uh, the Lord sends Elijah uh, to a brook um, to stay there, to stay safe, uh, to be sustained by crow's delivery uh, of meat and bread morning and night. Raven delivery, sorry. Raven's delivery uh, of meat and bread day and night until the brook dries up. Uh, if you remember, he's then rerouted to a widow uh, who's, uh, who makes him a cake and then um, is sustained. Uh, mm. And so what I want to talk about now is that, you know, we end up, his, her son dies, he revives the son, and then... Uh, we find ourselves in chapter 18 of First Kings. Now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. Verse 2, So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For when Jezebel destroyed the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and provided them with bread and water. We go on as we continue to read this relationship between Ahab and Obadiah. Uh, Ahab Um, a a, a king that has defiled the throne uh, for the people of God. His wife Jezebel um, intentionally attacks and kills prophets of the Lord. Uh, And Obadiah, he himself feared the Lord. He had a sense of reverence and respect towards the Lord, uh, and he acknowledged him as God. And so um, it kind of speaks into his character. As Jezebel is persecuting prophets of the Lord, he hides 50 men in two caves and provides them with his own resources what, he, what they need to survive this storm, to weather the storm. Um, and at first you read that and you say, wow, what a guy. This guy, top notch. Um, incredible, incredible, incredible. Uh, now just hit pause on that storyline and uh, you don't have to jump to it, uh, but if you, in your mind, just recognize 2 Kings chapter 4, Elijah his predecessor, Elijah, 
is sent to a widow's home. The widow addresses Elijah and says, My husband, using the same terminology, feared the Lord and died. You know him. (laughs) He feared the Lord and died. And it is believed that this is the wife of Obadiah. This man that, that through Elijah uh, protected these hundred prophets of the Lord using his own resources to protect them and save them, to feed them, to give them water in these caves, dies, and his widow has nothing. His widow and his two sons. He borrowed money to be able to do this ministry, and when he died, they were calling that debt, and his widow was in a very bad situation. Now, I don't want to say, I I think being good stewards is incredibly important, um, but I think the highest priority is stewarding well the calling of the Lord, regardless of what other people say. I can't imagine the conversations that sweet wife was having with her husband as he was draining their accounts. I can't imagine what was going on through his mind or what other people were saying about Obadiah when he would get less and less and more and more resources were being spent and energy and time to protect these people. And honestly, as I struggle with this story, uh, I recognize that um, this is something, I mean, I don't, I don't know about um, my faithfulness in that situation because I always tend to default to protecting um, my family and my kids more than anything else. And they're the priority. And what I love about this moment in Obadiah is he put at a higher priority than even his family and him, his obedience to the call of God to do what God had told him to do. So if I were naming sermons, I'd call this one, you don't have a clue what's going on. Because Obadiah, in this, in 1 Kings 18, uh, he's operating in obedience and faithfulness, doing what God had called him to do, protecting these people, these prophets of the Lord. He feared the Lord, yet was sitting under a king that, that, that did not respect God. That was all about himself. That God had put in a position of authority over him. Right? And so he's sitting in, in obedience to, to this king, and yet also in obedience to the Lord and exhausting resources and able to accomplish it. And he dies. And uh, when we look at Elijah, Elijah's story, he comes across the widow. She acknowledges himself using the same descriptive text that Obadiah is defined by one book earlier. And, uh, and she says, all we have is this jar of oil. It's worth a lot of money. A year's salary, but she said, this is it. And he's calling credit on us, and my kids are going to have to be servants and slaves, and what, what do we do? And Elijah, you guys, I, I preached actually on this, and I'm sure you remember every message I've ever taught. Um, uh, I preached on this a while back, but it was about the empty jars and the vessels. And that family, uh, the, the, the vessels, the empty jars were filled to the brim. And it, it didn't matter how many, because all that matters as long as they kept bringing them, they continued to be filled. And when they stopped, that's when it stopped. Their faithfulness to what was, was the measure in which they were blessed. 
And so all of a sudden, this family, this widow and these two sons, that were in a very difficult situation, that Dave Ramsey would have been yelling at them so hard, right? They're in a difficult situation based on their, the, the Obadiah's obedience to something, and, and now they find themselves blessed beyond measure. So if they find themselves broken, and they think to themselves, all we got is this, and they go to the Lord, and he continues to prove himself faithful. I believe there's a measure of faithfulness that the Lord acts and responds based on Obadiah's obedience to what God had called him to do. So we look at this, and we, say, we see it in a moment, and we say, wow, that's awesome, that's really cool. Then we see it in a moment over here, say, man, I can't believe that guy left this widow and their kids in that type of a situation. But we don't really have a clue what God is going to use and what he's going to do with our situations today. Some of us are going through things that seem like the end of the world, but you don't realize that that will be an incredible weapon that God uses in time to come. Some people see it as their brokenness, but God sees it as how he's going to bless you. Some people get frustrated with other people, but God says, no, that's how I'm going to usher in a move of me that will impact you for generations to come. And so Obadiah, this guy, it's incredible what he does with his faithfulness to the Lord. So he, operating out of obedience, right, we see fruit of it generations to come. Uh, let's talk about a guy that operates out of disobedience. Because um, that's what most of us can probably relate with. Jonah. All right? Jonah. Let me give context. Jonah, prophet, uh, and um, the most horrible people in the entire world in his mind were the Ninevites. All right? It's a large city in Assyria, and, and man, they, they don't like them. They don't like them. They don't like them. They do horrible things. They do horrible things to people. Um, this is a really bad group, right? Um, they operate in, in, in this philosophy of just it's horrible, horrible stuff. And uh, they target Jews. And so for him, um, I cannot believe I'm going to use a pop culture reference right now. But I've seen the movie, I think, 47 times this year. But So Encanto, all right, is a children's movie that my children love. And there's a moment when she finds out that the reconciliation that needs to happen is between her and her sister. And she goes, Isabella! Like, are you kidding me? Her? I picture Jonah saying the same thing. The Ninevites! Are you kidding me? They're the worst. And he actually, in his deepest heart, he really, really, really didn't want them to experience the grace that Jonah was living in. He didn't want to see them in heaven. It was that intense. He was so willing to go in the opposite direction to what was known as the end of the earth itself. Then storms hit, and hear me, he was willing to commit suicide and die instead of obey the Lord. He said, just throw me over. Just throw me over. And this obedience, this disobedience was so deeply rooted, this brokenness, this poor perspective of other people's worth or other people's value. Right? So he's sitting there and he's sinking. And God sends that big old fish. A 
All right? So he's sitting in this belly of the fish. Three days. Three days. This, <laughs> it took him three days of decomposing and stomach bile of a fish. Three days. Guys, I'm going to be honest. If I could just talk, it took me two seconds <laughs> to repent. Right? Three days he's down there. Finally, says God, ah, yes, I'll do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So he, and so he does that. The fish spits uh, Jonah out. Some believe that based on how much time he spent, um, his complexion would be incredibly pale, whitewashed, not only because of what was in the stomach of fish, um, but also because of the length of time he was in there. And so he came out and he was spit. And so this, this man coming forth out of a fish hits the shores of Nineveh. So, hear me, hear me. His disobedience from at that point, most people would look at him and say, that guy's a mess. I don't want, I wouldn't be nothing like that guy. But you don't have a clue. You don't have a clue about what God's doing through his brokenness. Because the fact that he was hand-delivered, right, by Long John Silver, the fact that he was hand-delivered by a fish to a group of people in Nineveh, it changed the game. Because they actually, in that time, they worshipped a fish god. Half fish, half man. A descendant of Nimrod. I'm dead serious. They worshipped him. And now, all of a sudden, they've got a fish hand-delivering a prophet that says, listen, the Lord God is the one and only God. Repent. And acknowledge him as Lord of your life. And we see one of the largest revivals documented in history in that moment. So when we go to God and say, Lord, we're unqualified, I can't imagine but a smirk and a smile on his face. When, when, when we think about Oh, when we think about and look at and make judgments on our own life or the lives of other people and we think that we're disqualified or unworthy or whatever it is that you're dealing with, or we judge people like Obadiah that are in the middle of their obedience, yet it doesn't make sense to the rest of the world. I would just like to say across the board, and this is true for me, you don't have a clue what the Lord's going to do through it. There, there, there's a, de, a, a, a discipline that is developed over time about putting things in his hands. There is. There's a discipline about being willing to say, I don't know, but I'm going to give it to you, both in mountaintops and valleys. There's a discipline of recognizing that he's the reason why, he's the reason why things are so great. It's not you. And there's a, there's a discipline to going to him to recognize that he's the only one that you can depend on in this season and not yourself. There's something special to looking at his face when you're down here and when you're up here. We have a problem. We have a problem with not going to someone until we need to. We have an issue to not let go of something until we're at the very bottom of the rope. And to be honest, we have a real big issue with looking at a situation 
and using our beautiful, smart, incredibly intelligent, you guys are so smart, your minds to think you really know what's going on. God can use absolutely everything to glorify his name. As long as it's put in his hands. Job relocation, no problem. He's got that. Prodigal son, no problem. He's got that. Incredible promotion, no problem. He's got that. Every single thing that you have to decide, he has it. And every single thing you've ever done, he can use it. And that's what's beautiful about the gospel. That's what's beautiful about the good news. And I'm continuing to learn more and more about what the good, use, what the good news is meant for and, and why we have it today. I'm continuing to learn more and more why we don't just, when we accept Christ, go straight to heaven. Because there's a work that he's wanting to do, not only in our lives today, but there's a story that he's wanting to tell. And if everyone that was saved wasn't here, then who would hear the good news of what he does with brokenness or what he does with obedience? And that's why I think scars are so beautiful. Scars are so beautiful because they testify to what you've been through. Most of us, we hide them. Most of us, we're ashamed by them. But they tell an incredible story. And so my challenge to us, my challenge to you, is one, is if you've called you into obedience, to walk in it no matter what it asks of you. Two, if you've walked in disobedience, just give it to him, just give it to him, and say, Lord, what do you have for me now? If you've been scared to tell your story, speak with boldness, because it's not about you. If you're scared to be vulnerable, understand that every single person next to you feels the same way. <laughs> and there's power when light is shown in the darkest places. And in these groups that we're about to go to, that's the point of it. The point of it isn't just to sit in a circle and stare at each other and make jokes. The point of it is to allow, allow the Lord to do a work in you in vulnerable spaces that you haven't really let people into in normal environments. But these safe places, this is where it's at. This is where everything transforms you from the inside out. When you let people speak into you and remind you of what God has spoken into them. Father, I pray for anyone here that is struggling. Lord, they're struggling with, man, whether it be disobedience, shame, or guilt. Father, those that feel disqualified, like Jonah must have felt, but really that was just setting them up to be more impactful. You do that, and you specialize in that. Father, I pray for those that, that are walking in obedience, but Lord, they're doubting and they're tired. God, I pray that you affirm them in what you've spoken to them. 
that you affirm, whether it be in the small group or in community or in, in a dream, God, that you affirm them, Holy Spirit, and the things you've spoken over them and the things you've said to them. God, what I love about this story of Obadiah is that we have to accept the reality that we don't have a clue. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know what you're going to do with our obedience. We don't know what you're going to do with our brokenness. And Obadiah's family and his sons were so much better off because of his obedience and faithfulness to what you've called him to do than, than anything else. So, Father, I pray for those Obadiahs here. Lord, do not let them grow weary in doing good. Do not let them grow bitter. Father, I pray for Jonas. Whether they've just been told to go to Nineveh whether they've said, I'm ready to just jump off the boat, I'm done. Or whether they find themselves in the belly of the beast, God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you remind them. You remind them of what's in store. You remind them of what you want to do. You remind them of who they are and how valuable they are. And Lord, that they place that in your hands. They come to you. They're ministered to by you. They're empowered by you. And they operate in that hope and in that faith. Lord, I pray for those that have not yet encountered community and healing through small groups. Holy Spirit, just move, man. Recognize, recognize. You know how to teach to each of us, how to speak to us, how to encourage us, how to usher us into a community, Lord where you can flourish, where roots can grow deep and identity can be built high. Man, I pray for man, temple recovery, man. I'm just so thankful for that ministry. I pray that people recognize that, man, they're in a good place here. <laughs> that people are praying for them there are tools available for them, that you are relentlessly pursuing them and have empowered them and will carry them through any hurts, any hang-ups, any habits that they're going through. And Lord, I pray for any of us that aren't active in temple recovery but need to be. Lord, I pray that, that you, Holy Spirit, you just remind us. You say, hey, give it a chance. I've got something to show you. Lord, if there's an addiction or a grief or, or, or something that we're going through and we're coping with other things or other people or codependency things, God, I just pray that, Holy Spirit, you, you, you speak into that, you bring it to the surface, and you give us boldness to say, yeah, here we go. I would like to speak to Melody about something. And God, you just give us boldness to do it. And fear is no place in this place, neither to shame or guiltiness. God, we are not, we shouldn't feel shameful about this. We shouldn't feel a level of guilt. Lord, let us operate in surrender. 
Father, thank you. Thank you for what we're about to do. Thank you for letting us celebrate. There's something so special, Jesus, about celebrating. And we do that tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Midweek Podcast here at Temple Church. If something spoke to your heart today, we'd love to hear from you and walk alongside you. You can reach us at temple at temple.church or you can send us a text message at 252-521-2093. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we'd love it if you rate and review the show and share it with your friends. That helps us to get the word out. Again, you can join us weekly for more episodes on how God can transform us and use us for His kingdom. We'll see you next time.